The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Are you ready? It's showtime! From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. This is our f***ing Yes, sir, everybody, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, all the ships at sea, lovers, muggers, thieves, all y'all out there. Thank you for tuning in to the Boston podcast, and we appreciate it when you share the show. We feel the love, and please know how much we appreciate it, and everyone here at pod617.com. We record in our Westwood studios, and if you want to be the next big podcast star, that could be you. That could be you behind the mic, so go to pod617.com, lots of bells and whistles, and buttons on there to get in touch with us and let us know you can apply to be a guest on this show dare you dream kids dare you dream and speaking of dreaming i'm dreaming about uh, a nice uh, uh alcoholic beverage this afternoon because the hour is approaching late and lucky for me i have attorney but also wine connoisseur and wine cre- what do we what do we call you you're a wine creator what, there's a, a name vin- for that vintner a vintner vintner, vintner yes. he is Alden Napoli, my friend, is here in the studio. And all right, all right. They're on their feet, Al. They're on their feet. One of the sweetest guys you'll ever meet. And I think he's brought one of the sweetest wines with him because he is just with but your brothers, family uh, members. Uh, one cousin. Oh, and, oh sorry. And uh, three brothers. Okay. Uh, Opened a, a new winery. It is De Bovino. Did I pronounce it right? De Bovino. De Bovino. It is in Walpole, Mass., right on Route 1, right near the stadium, for those who are familiar with that part of the state. And this is very exciting because he's brought some wine. Uh, tell me, Just tell me the inspiration for the winery, because it's been a long time coming, you told me, in it the ha- family. It has been. You know, uh, David, it's, been, it's great to be here uh, and just to, to uh, talk with you. Yeah. Uh, myself and uh, my four best friends, if you will, Mm. Uh, our relatives uh, have been making wine uh, since our grandfathers came from Italy. And yeah. we were cheap labor uh, as little kids and we're helping them. And then as they passed it down to our fathers, we helped our fathers. And then when our fathers uh, stopped doing it themselves, we've been doing it. Wow. So we've been making wine really uh, all our lives. And uh, People have said, oh, you finally realized your dream with this winery. I like to tell them, I didn't realize this was my dream, but uh, (laughs) I guess we kept on going in a direction that kind of led us to this, and it's been really exciting. Tell me about how you got the name. You told me before we started recording, but it's an interesting thing, the origin of the name. So it's Debevino, D-E-B-E-V-I-N-O, and you can kind of guess what one of the words in there. But Al, tell us how you came up with that. Yeah, there's uh, three families, uh, Di Napoli, my name, obviously, mm-hmm. which means of Naples, mm-hmm. uh, Bevilacqua, which is Italian, meaning drink water, mm-hmm. and then my cousin Apino. Doesn't really mean anything in translation. <laughs> okay. And about 20 years ago, while we were making wine just for ourselves, we were sitting around and we said, we should put a name on our wine. What are we going to call mm-hmm. this? Yeah. We keep on 
bringing it into all these parties and giving it away. Let's name it. And we thought around, we thought of our names and blending them together. And of course, we got the Bev, which means drink, and yeah. had the V in there and the Eno, so we could put Vino and put my two letters up front. Loosely translated, it means a drink of wine. A drink of wine. Well, it couldn't, and, and it's amazing that no one's thought of this before. Because so, Debevino <laughs> Winery. And by the way, you can check out com. Well, I'm thirsty, Al. And okay. you, you tell us what you've uh, brought for us today. Well, we are making in Dibovino eight types of wine, okay. uh, four reds, three whites, and a rosé. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I brought the Zinfandel with us. The Zen. It's a very full-bodied, uh, nice fruit flavor with a robust uh, finish to it. Okay. And um, I'm going to pour you yeah, a glass. I'll, here we go. See if we can hear this. Oh, there's no sweeter sound. See, this is why you get really good microphones. You can hear that that magic right there. <laughs> I'm saving that. That's not a sound effect. He was really okay. pouring it. I was. I'm right. really pouring it. And, and if we can clink our glasses Absolutely, together, yeah. you might even be able to hear that. Yes, yes. There Salud. we go. Salud. Is that, a pro- uh, is that appropriate? Salud. Sa- salud. Salud. Uh, or what's the one about 100 years? I like that one. Now the jindan. Now the jindan. means another 100 years. Another 100 years. Yes, Cheers so. to you, my friend. Thank you for being here. Uh, now you're jealous, listeners. But that is nice. That is nice. That is, I would call it smooth. It can taste a sweetness. I'm not a wine person, so this this is just, I'm talking ragtime here. But I, but it's one of these where you can taste, it's almost, uh, to me, it tastes almost uh, a little bit of cherry, a little bit between a grape and a cherry. Is yes. that yes. Is that a coincidence? or No, no. You know, everyone's taste buds, you know, taste different things off of a, a very good wine. There's definitely a, a fruitiness in, the, in Zinfandel. Yeah. And if you're tasting cherry, that's something that other people taste too. Uh, oh, okay. In there. So there's, it's, Zinfandel is a... Predominantly Italian, but over California grape, um, and uh, there's old vines in Fendel, and we source our, our grapes uh, in California uh, directly from the Susan Valley, mm-hmm. which is just southeast of Napa Valley. So it's in the Napa region. Mm-hmm. And it's right there because it has its own little mountain range around the valley. It's not part of Napa Valley, but it's contiguous to Napa Valley, and it produces great grapes. And we get our grapes directly sourced from there, and we make make the wine here in Massachusetts and sell it up in Walpole at DiBovino. Very cool. So there is some place where there are these vats, and you and your friends get in there and stomp like Lucille Ball and I Love Lucy, right? Well, no. that's the romantic view of it. No, <laughs> tell, no, tell me because this is how little I know. You need to import the the grapes, as you said, so you have them shipped from the the West Coast, right? exactly. And then they go to now the 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 actual place where you make the wine. Again, stupid question: is that is one and the same the, the here right in Walpole? It, it, it will be because okay. we just opened five weeks ago. We were still building out the building and everything to make it uh, with the refrigeration needed and everything mm-hmm. that was needed. So we used um, off-premises sites, if you will. So sure. in the first year, we made it and we went out to the vineyards in California mm-hmm. and actually gave them our recipe uh, as how we want the wine made, which right. is very minimal additives. Uh, no extra sugars, no extra chemicals, a little sulfites because you need that to kill the bacteria. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did that. This year, um, 
we brought it back to Massachusetts, and we're very friendly with uh, the Boston Winery people. Right. Uh, another great winery that people should take a look at it down in Dorchester, uh, owned that's, by the Bruno family. Yeah, the Francesco Federico, right? Our mutual friend Francesca. That's mm-hmm. her family, and it's it's always a blast there. They have such a nice facility and a great room for a party too. And they do. Yeah. And uh, I've known uh, Ralph Bruno for. 25 years, mm-hmm. been a client of mine, cool. and I uh, know his grandchildren that are running it, so we have a great relationship with them. So we went there, made it there, but next year, <clears throat> because now we have the facility, we will bring the grapes in, and we got all the equipment. Uh, we retired the uh, old equipment that up to three years ago we used. Wow. One of them is a press, circa 1912, from the Bevelacqua's grandfather. Mm-hmm. We had been using that up to three years ago. Really? So we have on site all the old equipment that we've retired. So when people come in, we talk about the wine process, but we also show them the old equipment, and we show them the new equipment and explain what they do. So I take it you have, over the years at least, done the hands-on work, or have you? We're ta- oh. I'm talking dumping the grapes in and everything oh, else. You've all the time. It. You For do? Years. Every, For every years. fall, that's, that's what we do. Is it fun? Uh, it, it is. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's a lot of work, but sure. when with your four best friends doing it yeah. and using having a glass of wine next to yourself, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. And you, you, know, you enjoy the product. And like I said, up to two years ago when we started to decide to go commercial, we would make 250 to 300 gallons just for the five of us. Mm-hmm. And we would bring it to parties. We would give it out as gifts. We would share it, you know, for holidays. And it was always something welcome and it was fun to do. What a, yeah, what a cool gift to be able to give. Because it's one thing to bring a bottle of wine to a party. That's fine. We all do it. To be able to bring something that you created, yeah. <laughs> right? And yeah. bottled and all that. That's that's very cool. Yeah, and to have the wine around all the time is not is not such a terrible thing either. I remember taking a tour of the the Sam Adams Brewery in uh, is it is Jamaica it, Plain. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thank you, Al. In Jamaica Plain, which is a cool take if you've never done it. It's not huge, and the the sort of inside joke or whatever you want to call it is that much of Sam Adams beer is brewed in like Pittsburgh or something. Exactly. But, but it's they brew some of it there and they do some experimentation there. And the guy who gave us the tour, you know, the tour includes sampling of the beer. And the guy must have had, you know, two or three beers just the course of this one tour. And somebody said, how much beer do you drink per day? And and he said something like, that's on a need-to-know basis. And we moved on. But (laughs) but the guy clearly loved beer, and and they didn't mind him drinking. I mean, he he was quite coherent, so I guess it's okay. Well, if you ever see Jim Coke, who, you know, founded that, ever speaking, he always has a glass of Sam Adams in his hand. Yeah. Sometimes he doesn't doesn't drink, but he always has a full glass in his hands. Well, you know, you got to do the Cy Sperling thing. You're you're not just the president, you're a client too, right? (laughs) So, um, tell me, if people want this wine, it's obviously on sale at your winery, open on the weekends, you told me. We're open uh, Thursday night, Friday night, and Saturday and Sunday. As the weather improves and the the light hours are longer, um, we'll be expanding the hours and we will be building out a, a patio. So oh, we, nice. our, our space in, includes a tasting room and a production room. 
um, and uh, that's about a thousand square feet. Mm -hmm. So we have a license to go out and build a patio for another thousand square feet contiguous to the building. We start that in March when the weather's good. Hope to open it a little in late April. Mm -hmm. uh, so we'll be open nights. Uh, we'll be serving, you know, our wine there. We uh, have a big garage door we can open up in the production room that goes right out to the patio. Wow! Uh, so the flow will be good. Um, it's 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 been great. Uh, people have really enjoyed the wine. Like I said, we have um, eight different types, four reds, three whites, and a rosé. Um, we explain the process of making it, um, and um, people have just enjoyed the process. Everybody loves that. How, yeah. do you, how do you not have a good time? Um, do Is your wine available elsewhere? Do you sell it through other channels? No. Um, under the farm winery license, basically, okay. you have to make it. Uh, either on-site or with your recipe at another uh, licensed place, mm -hmm. and we are only allowed to sell, you know, our own product right. at, on, on the site. So that's that's what we do. But, you know, it's a family. You know, our children, my son was an architect. He designed the whole place. Nice. My niece is a graphic designer. She did the label, the website, you know, the logo. I, I Children, not my children, because they all live out of state. Uh, the bartenders in there. Mm -hmm. The five owners are usually there with their wives, greeting people. And so people uh, have that. said, uh, come for the wine, but stay for the family. <laughs> I love uh, it. I love yeah. it. You know, there's, there, there's nothing like that. I mean, there's something about a nice, warm buzz. You can tell when a, when a business like that is family-owned and family-run. There's a market. What, what do I call it? Almost like a farmer's market or like uh, oldish kind of country store in, uh, I want to say Marsh. It's Steve Carell's hometown because... Yeah, I think it is Marshfield. I think that's where Steve Carell I think does you're right. have his story in, yeah. in Marshfield. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was, I had a meeting in Marshfield once and I had some time to kill. And so I found this, this country store <laughs> I'll have to, I'll look up what it was, but I didn't expect Steve Carell to be in there. <laughs> I mean, he's probably in Hollywood, right? But his, his fan, there were fa family members there and I kind of chatted them up a little bit and it's just a nice little store. That's, that's what just came to mind. It's called the, uh, Marshfield Hills general store. So indeed in Marshfield and you should check it out. It's just very nice. What did I expect? Actually, he's not going to be there. Did I expect the whole cast of The Office to be there? No, of course not. But then I noticed my son uh, Griffin is a huge fan of The Office. And in, they had a couple Office t-shirts, which he, he already had. But in the back, they had these hats signed by Steve Carell and a few like travel mugs uh, signed by Steve Carell. So I was able to pick up that for my son. Nice little quaint little place. But at any rate, have you thought about what, what's going to happen at DiBovino? Um during the the Patriots games because you got those are those are eight days of the year where, or more where that that uh, stretch of Route One is quite chaotic. Can you have uh, well, a, actually the parking lot the where we're in. Yep. Um, they well, you uh, can charge uh, they park ninety five they park ninety five <laughs> cars in there. We don't own the uh, lot. You don't own the lot, but the oh, owners okay. do um, do that, and we're you know hoping that we can be an adjunct to you know whatever kind of. Um, um, tailgating is going on. Sure, uh, people want to come in. We have two big TVs, nice, uh, sixty-five, you know, inch TVs. One in the tasting room, one in the production room. And I think once we get the patio open, it will be more attractive to people who are For out sure. there in the uh, parking lot. You know, saying, "Hey, let's go over there. Let's sit down on the patio. We got a TV. We got some nice homemade wine." Uh, yeah, yeah. is the place to be. There you go. Add a little yeah. class to your tailgate, people. Stop with the the Michelob Dry or whatever the heck it is here. <laughs> so. Um, 
Uh, remind me, you grew up in, it just went straight out of my head, in Roslindale. In right? Roslindale, where, where the, the four other owners all grew up. We all grew up together. Um, like I said, we're related. Three of them were brothers, and uh, their mother and my mother were best friends since they were 13 years old. So I grew up with them as if they were my cousins. Well, and, as, uh, as a native of this area, you qualify for the Boston Vault. So okay. uh, as we do on the show, we place you in the Boston Vault. These armed guards are here for your protection. No, no, we Can haven't. Can I get out? We haven't. <laughs> not, not until you answer the questions. No, officer, we haven't been drinking, we swear. Okay. Anyway, so growing up in Rosendale, tell me uh, a memory of uh, a favorite spot, and I'm thinking like an ice cream stand or a burger joint or a diner or something. Is there something that comes to mind? Simcoe's on the bridge in Mattapan. Okay. Okay. What, what was what was special about that place? The foot-long hot dogs. Nice. They would open up. I, to me, they would open up all hours because, you know, we would go there late at night and uh, always go to Simcoe's on the bridge and get our hot, foot-long hot dogs. Loaded up, load up with anything? Um, Got a oh, little yeah. crowd on there? Yeah, have yeah. the sour crowd. Of course. Yeah, 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 definitely. And a lot of mustard. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that was kind of cool. That's uh, great. Right down the street from that was the Oriental Theater all in right. Mattapan which was the coolest place to go see movies because they had the little uh, pagodas with the eyes that lit up in the dark and (laughs) from the ceiling they had the um, clouds um, going by as you were watching the movie so you always felt like you're outside you know now that you mention it I think I've been there because I remember the clouds yeah yeah and yeah that 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 is a lost art that there's um I discovered this movie theater in uh Pro- it's in Providence proper. Yeah, it's in Providence, and I don't know what it's called, but it's kind of up on the hill there, almost on the on the kind of on the outskirts of Brown University. Okay. And I think it's called on like Fair Street, possibly. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's called like the Trolley Theater or something. And it's kind of the at least the sort of annex to the place is built in like an old school, like a trolley, the shell of I think an actual trolley, but it is. Um, you know, old retro, not retro. I mean, it, this is it's yeah. the genuine article from the, the preserved, I think, from long ago. And they play sort of second run movies and the, the seats in there are kind of tattered up and everything. But it's the charm of it. And there are very few of those left, right? Definitely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah. too bad. Is the Oriental Theater still there? No, probably not. No, long it's, gone, uh, huh? it's the electrical supply house the last time I saw. And it was yeah. there with the Rialto Theater. Uh, okay. Which we'd go oh. to, which was just a great place on Saturday afternoons for that double feature, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, as a yeah. kid. Yeah. You yeah. got to love that. Yeah. The uh, So you're still a movie guy? Oh, yeah. Did you, yeah. Did you, had, did you catch uh, any of the Academy Award nominees this year? Have you seen that 1917? I haven't seen 1917. No. No. I really liked uh, uh, Once Upon a, a Time in, in Hollywood. Hollywood. Yeah, Tarantino. Kind, sure. of a, kind of a cool movie. I yeah. thought Brad Pitt did a great job. Not a huge yeah. Brad Pitt fan, but he did a great job in that, as did Leo now DiCaprio. Leo, and, yeah. the, and, the, and the spin on the whole um, Sharon Tate stuff and yeah. bringing that in was uh, very, very cool. Very yeah, cool. interesting. I don't yeah. think it was Tarantino's best but i agree no. about pitt I've, I've always been a fan of his there there's an art to being cool and yeah. he's the coolest guy on the planet <laughs> i mean or at least in the top three you know he he mm-hmm. he is the quintessential movie star yeah. and like in the the guy before him that you might have said like in a generation earlier you might have said robert redford and um redford was if memory serves one of the guys who gave pitt a break by casting him in uh, a river runs through it early in Pitt's career okay. and people said oh look at he's he's found the next him because that the you know the blonde hair the dashing good looks 
And um, yeah, I love me some Brad Pitt for sure. Um, <clears throat> geez, the guy doesn't age too. I mean, no, I mean, no. the, the guy is older than I am, and I look about twenty years older than him. Um, anyway, so yeah, but you don't have all the Hollywood people taking care of you, do you? That's true. I mean, yeah. they have the best in the business. Yeah. Okay, so back to you. Don't forget, we're still here in the Boston Vault. We have to ask you a question. So, in the in the neighborhood growing up, was there was was uh, Outdoor sports a thing? Did, did did the kids gather together to play sports? And if so, tell me what you did. Yeah. Um, well, we uh, we always spent every weekend day down in Fallon Field in Rosendale. Mm-hmm. And one of our claims to fame is we were one of the first groups to play street hockey. Although we played regular hockey when they they iced the field down, we would play street hockey in the basketball courts. Right. And I remember, and my my friends always love to talk about it. We would play street hockey down there. We made our own nets and put them in the basketball court. That it would snow, mm-hmm. and I had my father's big Cadillac, mm-hmm. and we would put the Aaron's snowblower in the trunk of the car. Mm-hmm. Tie it down, drive over there, mm-hmm. snow blow all the, really? all oh, the, the snow court. off the basketball wow. court, and then play street hockey all day. <laughs> In the winter. <laughs> In the winter. That's dedication. <laughs> yeah, I used to take... Um, I was more of a basketball guy, but I remember we had kind of a mini court in our backyard, and I used to take like a, a push broom and just push off all the snow so it was like usable to, to play basketball with gloves on, which I guess I must have really loved the game back then. But um, and, they, that, and they have a big street hockey place down there, right on the basketball courts now where we used to go. Is that right? Oh yeah, yeah. And now so with, the, with th- the boards and everything, now it's right? the thing. Yeah, it's the yeah. thing. We yeah. started it back, way back then. It looks like you got an empty glass. I think you need. Oh, all right. Did I'll you enjoy it, there, David? I, I really did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just a half a glass or something. I don't. I don't want. I want no response. You know, everything yeah. in moderation, listeners. Mm-hmm. Don't forget. Um, so thank you very much, Al. Um, the street hockey. Thing was, yeah, it's, it's one of those things that it's more charming when it's generic. And I remember playing when I was very young, and and I lived in uh, Acton, and just the, the these little street hockey games would break out, and I was terrible, but um, but so much fun. And yeah. and yeah. Um, there there was like there, there's a big swath of a difference between a really good street hockey player and a lousy player because <laughs> I. I could never. Now you use like a tennis ball. I take it, right? Uh, uh yeah, yeah. Or, or yeah. I guess no. you could use a little a plastic puck. Would no, we used we used a, like a, a ball that ball. you had to control the bouncing. Huh? Right, and the bouncing was, really, was hard. And yeah. certain kids could lift it better than oh, others. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then it could get rough too. Like yeah. you know, <laughs> the, the, <laughs> that that's yeah. I mean, we we similarly Part of hockey, whether it's, it's on right. the ice or on the hockey street. Hockey is hockey. Yeah, we similarly had um, football that we used to play on the street when I where I grow up and when it snowed it was all the better because you had snow banks on either side and you always have to watch out for if a car was coming by but this is a pretty peaceful road and so it was great if someone caught the pass on the sidelines you could shove them right into the snow bank and end of that play where um, do you go up David in Sharon oh, I'm okay. a county yeah okay. grew up in Sharon still live in Sharon hard in Sharon. hard scrabble streets of Sharon so I don't know if you know Rosendale much you get down to the village as they call it now we used to call it Rosie Square in fact okay. Uh, we named our rosé uh, up at the uh, Di Bovino Winery, uh, Rosie Rosé. Nice. Uh, to have the connection still. And, um, you know, um, now it's pretty chic down there in the mm-hmm. village. They have the, the, the back um, alleys uh, where they have all these nice little tables and people sit there for restaurants with the cafe lights over them. And I tell my, my daughters who go like to sit out there on a summer night drinking their you know, sangria yeah. that... 
as a kid, I used to sit out here with cans of peas from the supermarket I worked in and try to see how many rats I could hit. <laughs> Is that true? Yo, yo. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and well, they're just hey. sitting out there yep. like, look, look at this. This is uh, this is so chic. You kids today, uh, you don't have, know how we we had it. Yeah, <laughs> and um, come around. That's funny. But what you describe reminds me of. Now you must make your way down to Providence every now and again. Well, sure, no? I love yeah. Federal Hill. And you so, know, so what you yeah, just described in Rosendale reminds me of a scene in in Federal Hill. My. Um, there's the I guess they might they just call it the plaza. Um, oh, you know what I'm talking about? Near Constantino's there. Where exactly. They have the, exactly. Yeah. 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 So right. Constantino's has become the favorite spot of my girlfriend and I, and they're famous for their uh, toasted ravioli, oh, yeah. or maybe all yeah. ravioli, whatever. But um, you know that whole outdoor plaza area, it's so charming. And um, you know, on a Friday or a Saturday night, someone will be performing there. Now the performances are a little. Um, they're they're charming is the word I'll go back to because it's not necessarily the best musicians in the world. It typically it might be sort of an old husband and wife with a, basically a glorified karaoke machine, you know, and they're just kind of singing along. But people don't seem to mind, you know, and and then you see people get up and dance, and you could see, you know. Um, Teenagers dancing right next to people in their late 80s dancing. Yeah, it's and and it's, it's a throwback, right? Yeah, it's great. I, I, I love it down there. Yeah. I was just thinking, we, you know, we need more of that. That, that I mean, in Boston, Boston's, you know, the greatest city in the world. Of course, we know this, right? But um, but there's, I don't think there's enough of that. Like enough of... Uh, I, I always, when I go yeah. down to Providence and I and I and we go there and eat in there, you know, yeah. the nice summer nights, I say... Why can't Boston I say close off Hanover Street, yeah. you know, at night and do this outside on Hanover Street? I don't understand why they don't do something like yeah, that. I don't know. But at Di Bovino Winery, we will have a patio and we'll be doing some dancing. I love it. Okay. Right. <laughs> Come on down. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of Volare or something similar. Anyway, um, well, um, let me ask you one more thing. So, uh, as as a young man growing up in Rosendale, was, was sports impor- important to you? You mentioned hockey. Oh, oh my God! You so, who, who were your hero- who were your heroes? Uh, any sport? Um, I, I think probably um, you know there was being Italian. Yes, uh, Tony Canigliaro. Tony C. Yeah. Tony C. Was yeah. was Phil Esposito. Sure. I mean, you know, they were. I mean, they were all great. You know. Players. Um, wasn't you know, he Bill Russell? Um, you know, was an Italian, oh. but you know, how can you beat <laughs> Bill Russell? You know, growing up in Boston during that time period. Um, yeah, yeah. Only eleven yeah. championships, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> you don't get them. They don't make them like him anymore. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Esposito, yeah. which who I believe was responsible for coining the phrase "Jesus saves" and Esposito <laughs> scores on the rebound. Right? I think that that was him. That was him. But um, you mentioned yeah. Tony C. and um, you know for. I, I barely remember him, but my dad used to tell me about Tony C because Tony C, after his career with the Sox, which we'll get into briefly, but it was, I don't, I don't say tragic. His, his life was, was kind of tragic oh, yeah. and, and his career cut short and he was a broadcaster for at least a brief while in, in Providence, actually, after my dad used to work at WJR TV in Providence and he got to know oh, wow. Tony C a little bit and he had like a nice signed picture of Tony C. But um, what a it, almost like a Greek uh, tragedy, like the yeah. highs of the highs, the lows of the lows. He had the yeah. record. He had the record for the most, the most home runs the as a youngest, young man. Yep. youngest player to hit a hundred home runs. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. and he did it when yeah. he was like twenty-five or yeah. something. Or, yeah. or and then of course he gets hit by the the pitch right in the eye yeah. and. Um, 
that sidelined him for the rest of that season, obviously. He did make yeah. a comeback and played pretty well, but then uh, just kind of fizzled after that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't think he ever recovered from that. Yeah. He clearly didn't, and died yeah. um, a young man Yeah, yeah as a, a heart attack. So, so we miss you, Tony. Can I tell a, um, a Boston uh, Would love it. story? So it's what we're here for. So uh, my, uh, my sister, who unfortunately is no longer with us, but was younger than me and a big Red Sox fan, was there when they won the Impossible Dream pennant on that last day of the of the year. Lombard. And they all ran out to the field, practically killed Lombard, mm-hmm. tearing him apart. Yep. He was she was a big Skrimsky fan, so she went out right up to left left field and she filled her pocket with some of, of the grass from nice. um, from there. And then Lombard was gone from the mound. She went back to the mound, filled her pocket <laughs> with some of the sand. So she put them in vials and had them and the grass didn't last too long but right. sand stayed in these these bottles so years later she became uh, a social worker and Lonborg's daughter was a social worker and she was at a convention and Lonborg was speaking mm. and she um, said you know I gotta go up to him and just introduce myself and tell yeah. him what I did so my my sister was a 410 Lomborg was six something or other yeah. and she thought she'd Told get a little quarter. tap on the head when right. she told me she told him the story mm. and he said to her in surprise you know fame is fleeting I saved very little from that year could I have some of that dirt no way from the mound yeah wow so she said of course so he said you know I'm a dentist down in the South Shore um, here's my card Call up my assistant and uh, arrange a time to come down. Right. And um, so she tells me, she said, I'm going to take my dad you know, our dad down. Um, and uh, who's blind at that time? Uh, and uh, I said, well, you can't take dad down without me. I mean, of course. So <laughs> we went down. Good on you. Yeah. And we uh, sat with Jim Lomborg for about an hour. And, you know, they called him Gentleman Jim. Gentleman Jim, yeah. Nice and man. he held my father's hand for the whole hour. Come on. Just talking baseball. Oh, my him. God. He was the sweetest, most wonderful guy. He took the he took the vial and he said, I'm going to put this on my mantle. This is so How important to me. Yeah. yeah. And it was just a, a, it was a great, you know, um, moment. Someone who, a Cy Young winner. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cy Young winner. Yeah. He was uh, on top of the world. Yeah. At, uh, and then he has skiing accent. He is. During his baseball career, is that? Oh what, yeah. Is that what, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. He had a skiing accident. Never could pitch quite the same. He was. I mean, it, we think of 1967. It was before my time, but it, but quickly. You know, I was born in '68 and quickly became a Sox fan and learned the history. And let's face it, my name is Yaz, so I always associated <laughs> with number eight. Who you know, Yastrzemski, oh, yeah. who had his his yeah. best season, obviously in '67. You know, carried the whole town on Triple his shoulders. Crown. Triple Crown winner. Um, and Lonborg. The thing I remember about Lonborg is just, again, I wasn't there, but um, it, it was one of those great Sox seasons where almost almost in a, in a weird way repeated in 86 where we had the amazing miracles and then and then sudden heartbreak. The the Red Sox came out of nowhere in 67. That's why they called it oh. the impossible dream, right? They were the last place the year before. Right. Yeah. And uh, Lonborg wins on the final day of the season. Those are the days before divisions, I think, right? right. So the, yeah. The, so, but anyway, they... Um, and the whole thing is, I think I remember him saying his, his shirt was torn off oh. so much he had like yeah. he had like wristbands of the shirt left by the time he got to the dugout. He thought he was going to get killed, really. Yeah, was, and that's scary. Uh, that happened to Larry Bird once, uh, too. And so anyway, they go to the World Series. It goes to Game 7, and the Red Sox, uh, well, the Red Sox are down 3-2. They win Game 6. It's tied 3-3. 
And the headline in the Herald the next day said Lomborg and Champagne, meaning as a sort of foreshadowing, like we got Lomborg on the mound, there's going to be Champagne. Now, of course, it doesn't mention that Bob Gibson was on the mound, one of no. the greatest pitchers of all time for the right, St. Louis. Right, right. And uh, the Sox lose, and they lose in seven games. And um, there, there's footage of the Cardinals celebrating, spraying their own champagne, shouting Lomborg and champagne in a mocking <laughs> way. And Tim McCarver was one of the guys in there who later <laughs> became famous. So, but times have changed, haven't they, Al? You know? Uh, I mean, yep. We don't keep our stars around anymore. Goodbye, Mookie Betts. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's it's no. it's too bad. It's one of those moments where it's like, well, that's the business, and the Red Sox did what they had to do. It's like, you know what? I don't want to hear it. I'm a fan. I feel bad for the kids. who. Yeah. I had someone in my studio earlier, and she said, yeah, my son's five, and that was his favorite player. And it's like, oh, that's terrible. They weren't going to pay him. I'm a season, right. I've been a season ticket holder for 35 years. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm a big Red Sox fan. So yeah. I love all, all Boston sports. I love sports. Now, to me, so, so yeah. what? Yeah. So which, if you had to pick um, moments, most memorable moments, I mean, there are a lot of obvious choices, right? How, when you were at the ballpark, what, what, like what, what, what memories we, have, do you most hold dear? Oh, boy. Um, no, that's, that, that's, that's, a, that's a tough one. Um, there were so many of them. And, sure. Uh, I, 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 I tell you my greatest sports moment. Yeah, please. I was at the Snow Bowl uh, in uh, Gillette. Me too. Uh, were you? Yeah. And it was, I tell people it was because it was, it was, I felt like I was in a snow globe. Yeah. Because the snow was just gently falling. There was no wind. Correct. And it wasn't that cold. Right. And it was just just like you felt like in a snow globe, and I felt like I was in this little fantasy. The final and the final whole, game yeah. in the at the old in the yeah. old uh, stadium, yeah. right? Yeah. And um, yeah. and the security was airtight that night. Now this is the old stadium, which was let's face it, a piece of crap, right? Oh yeah. So I remember waiting outside the stadium to get in for a while because this this was shortly after nine eleven. And so they were checking all kinds of bags and everything like that. But, um, you know, the I'm, I'm trying to find a clip of this because I just I feel like getting having a little some chills here. Let's see if we can pull up a clip of um, what was what was going on oh, that wow. day in Foxborough. Oh, that's great. This entire game played in this driving snowstorm. Yeah, but look, it's not driving. It really wasn't. Yeah, it didn't not. feel like that. Right. Wow. It's a tuck. <laughs> right. So Brady gets hit. Was going forward. It is So the Patriots have life. For the Patriots. Is that Wiggins? No, that's David Patton. I think. Adam Vinatieri will attempt a 45-yard field goal to try to tie it. Yep. Yeah. Oh. on the way, and it is. <laughs> Now, people will. It, I've never seen a yeah. kick like that, but it, it had it had legs, as as they say, to use a double. So does my wine, and it does. <laughs> Thanks for bringing us back around, Al. So great, great memories. We're up against the clock here, but first of all, you've successfully navigated the Boston Vault, so congratulations. Great memories. Anytime you get to talk a little street hockey. And Bill Russell and Adam Vinatieri, you know it's been a, a good day. So I remind everyone, go to debevino.com, D-E-B-E-V-I-N-O.com. Check out the winery in Walpole. I almost said Fox, bro. It's on the it's on the outskirts. Right, 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 right on the line. Right on the line there. 
And by the way, we didn't talk about Al's legal career. That that could be a whole nother podcast. But a, a fine lawyer, and uh, aptly, you, you are one of the things you're known for is doing the uh, liquor licenses for companies that need it. And is that right? Did exactly. that right? Or anything involving liquor licensure? Yeah. And the joke around uh, the professional circles is all you got to remember is Al for alcohol, <laughs> and how appropriate today that he brings me this delicious alcohol. Did you have fun? I had a great time. Always Terrific. good to talk to you, and it's uh, great to uh, be able to talk to all your listeners and reminisce a little about everything. Absolutely. So, I, I, and I loved hearing the story about uh, Gentleman Jim Lonberg. You're a gentleman yourself, Mr. Alden Appley. I'll tell you that I, for sure. As, as are you, David. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so, again, yeah, check out the wine people, the Bovino, the Bovino Winery. I almost got it right the last time. Thank you, Al. Thank you all who listened. Thanks to our friends at Adori. Do yourself a favor, kids. Go to the App Store and download the Adori app. That's A-D-O-R-I. Your podcast will come to life. It's wicked cool stuff. If you want your own podcast, I get encouraged. You go to pod617.com. Get in touch with us. You could be behind the mic here in our Westwood studios. On behalf of the great Al DiNapoli, my name is Dave. I'm just a guy from Boston. But if you're not from Boston, you must be the other guy. Enjoy it, everybody. Have some wine. Salute. Salute. <laughs> <laughs> you must be the other guy.